Today's episode of Basketball Buds is brought to you by Game Time. All right, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Pelicans tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. That's tap, tap. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Everyone does well when you have good results, and everyone doesn't do well when they don't. So uh, for me, it's fine. I know, you know he would have preferred to work something out, but we did. We'll work something out after the next season. In the final year of this deal, almost the lame duck status, or is well, it, you don't I, look I at don't, it that way? Let me just say this. You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I think from an owner's perspective, okay? I'll call you in a minute. But what's popping tonight? Um, I'll give you a one-on-one exclusive. Because you're my guy. Are you kidding me? Um, I think it's a very delicate situation. Oh, okay, okay. I've always been welcome with open arms. I've been to China probably over 15 to 20 times. Oh, okay. And the main reason I've always wanted to go back to China is because of the game of basketball. The game of basketball. The game of basketball has brought people together in so many different facets, so many different countries, different people um, that you would never, ever expect. Now, hold up. Let's be real for a minute. You know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated about something. Yeah, I, You know, you never know the ramifications that can happen. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. You feel me, right? That may cause harm, not only for... <laughs> um, actually, I don't. Bizarre international story. Help about it. You know, so first thing I do to all kinds of new things in Africa, China, India, where... Everyone does well when you have good results, and everyone doesn't do well when they don't as well. And sometimes you have to think through uh, things that you said. Just like you said, blocking the roads or, or pointing laser pointers at the police quarters will now face a maximum penalty of a fine and a jail term. I'm not going to tell you again. I'll give you a one-on-one exclusive because you're my guy. Call me when you wake up. Calm down. Welcome to the Back to Back Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. China, 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 you take China. China. I feel like if Weird Al Yankovic was still doing stuff, he would do M&M's cleaning out my closet right now. But instead of uh, I'm sorry, Mama, it would be I'm sorry, China. I mean, that's just one thought. I'm sorry, China. China. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry for tonight. <laughs> Cleaning up my China. 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 Man, what did I China, walk into? Cleaning up my tweet dress. China. Weird Al's a hack. We can all do this shit. Weird Al's a hack. We can all do this shit. Whoa, who's that? Who's that going? Who's that going? Who's that going? Amic. Hello. Y'all there? Classic Amic. What's up, boys? Where are you? In a refrigerator? <laughs> do I sound like shit? I just hear like a... There's still an echo? There's still an echo? Refrigerator. Still By the way, I got another take. Musical take. Is, uh, my son just likes listening to rock. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a music guy, but I have to make him, you know, hey, you know, calm, calm him down. Uh, I think Blink-182 is underrated. Oh. Underrated. Yes. Stop it. Yes. Stop it. Don't have, no. You couldn't be yes. more right. Good Lord. You could not be more right. I'm sorry, bro. China, 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 China,
No, I, I thought like uh, three chords, not musically advanced. I'm going Green Day all day. They tackled, they tackled issues. They sung about depression. Come on, 182. I mean, they, yeah. they were, they changed the world. Oh, Green Green Day is better. Green Day is oh, yeah. better. Not even close. Just, yeah. 182. I'm I'm not pro Blink 182, but Jade just did the super internet thing of you're like, hey, I like this thing, and someone goes, no, this is better. <laughs> yeah. Green Day all day. Green Day had longevity. They're rated properly. 182 is underrated, as Ethan was saying. Over, over. I can't even name three 182 songs. Damn it! All damn the small it. thing. I've never heard damn it in my life. What's my age again? And they're all the same goddamn song. What's my age again? They're basically the Chinese knockoff. Of Green Day. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. Lock it in. Like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the stick. This is the basketball button. You know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated. With Zach Harper. Jerry, as the Knicks fan, you watch a lot of college basketball, right? <laughs> Always scouting. Yeah. <laughs> this is what would happen is you're going to say, hey, Jane Hoy says hi, and he's going to say, who is she? That's what's going to happen. Big wise. <laughs> it's nothing but fantastic. Look at the Chinese little boys playing who. We're making inroads in China. We're changing the world in China because the only thing that matters to y'all is money. Nothing else. I'm just going to tell you what I think from an owner's perspective. To be sympathetic to them and, and at the same time stand by our principles. Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Like, get out of here. Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoy. Does my mic tell me that everyone doesn't do well when they don't. Yeah, yeah, a lot of well. women have pictures in the dating apps with Jeff Goldblum. It's enough of a thing that Jeff Goldblum has commented on. Of this business. Right, and if they get caught, they get thrown in jail. <laughs> with extradition, they can just go in snag you, put you through their court system that has like a 99% conviction rate. Sell dreams, sell hopes, and you're done. And you're done. Are you making calls for Fred Katz? Because Katz has been killing it. I don't know if he's that good. No. <laughs> no. This is a journey into time. Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring to you new colors, new dimensions, new dimensions. What's up, buddy? I have a dream that one day every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. I have a dream today. So hopes. They came out of San Diego and it was one of these ultra the way hip we call them now, but people who like punk do it, which is they were they, they were uh, they were beloved, and then they got popular, and everybody turned their nose up, scared at them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how it was locally, anyway. Do you guys agree that, Do you agree that it's weird that that uh, Blink One A Two was was with Corn on the uh, what do they call that? What's that that show that just happened right now? Uh, after thought, Mass Singer. Huh? Mass Singer. No, I mean, they're just the idea in general that Blink-182 is touring with Korn right now got my attention. I, I don't feel like those two bands yeah, share the same oxygen. Here's, but they kind of do because, if you recall, both very popular at the same time on TRL. Oh, yeah. On TRL. Is that all it takes? That Freak yeah. on a Leash music video with that They were like staples. Bullet, Man, they that got the cars kept going. Bump. They, were st- <laughs> they were staples yeah. on that show. I think I think Christina Aguilera did, too. Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, Zach, let's get this going. <laughs> Welcome to the Basketball Buds edition of the Back to Back Podcast of the Count the Things Network, which is also part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined by, oh, who do we got on here? Ethan Suvid Strauss, Dave DeFour, Big Waz, John Krasinski, Sam Amick. We'll be joined by John Hollinger in a bit. But, uh, guys, let's start off with the big news of the preseason, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson has taken the world by storm. Uh, he's, he's dunked China out of our mentions uh, for brief moments uh, during this, uh, this preseason action. Uh, but we do have to bring up China a little bit, right? Even though Zion's been great. We have uh, some, some comments from LeBron James, the, uh, the Zion uh, Williamson kind of prequel, I guess. Is that what we're mm. calling him at this point? He's kind of Zion 1.0. Um, and LeBron basically last night said, hey, you mess with our money. Don't do that while we're over there. Um, you know, so many different events have been uh, canceled throughout our time over there. Um, and all we kept saying is, I mean, shit, we, we, we flew all these miles to come over to China. We would love to play the game of basketball in front of <laughs> Don't do that while we're over there. Is that a fair way to summarize that, Sam? Is that is that how you would characterize what he said? Or is that uh, is that a little too broad? No. I mean, there was a lot of that. It, it was, man, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's funny because Jade had texted me about the scrum and it, it forced me to think about what it was like in person versus how I'm sure it looked on camera. There wasn't enough head scratching in real time, but I mean, there was a lot. Um, it was just uncomfortable is the word that would come to mind. I mean, it was, it was just kind of some shrugs and like, damn, okay, I guess that's, the road that we're going to go down here. Like, you know, I mean, I guess call a spade a spade and, and put your cards on the table. Um, I was just surprised, you know, and I wrote it today that it's, I'm not, I'm a hundred percent, not one of those people that who believes that LeBron needed, he's taken a leadership role in the past on important issues. I, I do not think this is one of those things. I think he could have, you know, played it down the middle, um, had some respect for, you know, both sides of the issue, gotten out of this thing relatively clean, but deciding to to you know just go down the Daryl Morey road and, and essentially call for added pressure, you know, on the guy whose tweet started this whole thing, and and then certainly the guy whose tweet was an expression of you know free speech that you know we are supposed to value on this side of the the globe. That was the part that left everybody just well, you know pretty baffled. Well, yeah. Sam, I'm curious about this because we were so. Ethan Waz and I were in the media room when Steve Kerr had his very confusing comments the other Ooh, night. So uncomfortable. Uh, so uncomfortable. And it was like to the point where like Waz and I looked at each other, Marcus and I looked at each other, like the three of us looked at each other. Ethan looked over and was like, what the hell is going on? Um, <laughs> and, and it was this moment where like I do think – like look, it's our job as media to process this, these answers quickly, come up with follow-ups and everything. But I know – um, I know for, I think many of the people in the room with the Steve Kerr thing, it was more of a, the follow-up was, was going to be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you saying right now? So I want to know, like for you as a seasoned journalist in this LeBron scrum, like what, what is your thought process as he's saying this stuff? Because you do have to process it quickly and, and then try to figure out what's next. Right. Yeah, you do. I mean, I'd be curious to, for you guys to paint the picture of where Steve was in terms of the, the logistics, because on this end and this LeBron experience, it was a, a fairly significant mass of humanity, which, you know, admittedly in terms of what we do for a living, like it's my least favorite landscape. Like we, we obviously traffic in the, 
catching guys, you know, on the side, trying to get unique perspective. This is, this is the old school mass scrum. And so there's this, this thing where, you know, I'm handicapping the crowd, right. And it's like 40 to 50% of the media crowd is, uh, I don't know how else to say it, but I mean, tainted in some way when it comes to whether it's Lakers.com or an NBA affiliate where it's like, they're just, they're not there to talk about this issue. Then you've got, you know, the, the more mainstream media that is trying to process it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a weird environment. I'd be lying to you if I didn't admit, you know, that after it was all over, I was, I was having the thought to myself, like, damn it. You know, like I, I, I wanted to at minimum ask the question of, you know, LeBron, even beyond him, you know, do players need now to rethink the business dynamics with China? Or is it a case of, you know, do you, do you just try to get it back to status quo? That would have been revealing now to, to, to the credit of our colleague and, and buddy, Bill Oren, who covers the Lakers, uh, and, and Bill used this today. He got it. He asked LeBron that very question, uh, after the first scrum, which if, if anybody didn't realize that the way this also went down is he does the whole first scrum to the masses. And then LeBron met with, I believe it was four reporters. It was three beat writers and then uh, Rachel Nichols from ESPN all, as well. All ten cent beat right now. I'm just sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, and did, and did follow ups. Bill asked that question. So good on Bill. Uh, did not get an answer. I mean, he, LeBron danced around. You know, the question once Bill put it out there, but as as you would expect him to do, right? Like, and I'm not I'm not absolving that necessarily, but like you have to ask the question and probably expect yeah. to not get an answer in that space. Yeah, never, uh, oh. for sure. It's also like if you use like the Steve Kerr comp is, is interesting because Steve by and large is significantly more available than LeBron. And so there's also this like heightened tension in the moment because LeBron hasn't spoken for six, seven, eight days, whatever it was. And this was, you know, the one and only time, not only time, but, you know, he, I don't think he's going to go down this road again unless he's going to try to clean things up yet again like he, he did on Twitter last night. Um, so it's just like, it's Steve's a different dynamic. I mean, I love Ethan's coverage of the story for sure. And, and part of that was that, that kind of repartee that you have with Steve where you push back and you get follow-ups and, you know, in that, in that sense, this is different, I think. Yeah. I, I think in the, the room with Steve, if memory serves, I think Nate Duncan was the first to stab Caesar. I think that's what happened in that, in that press <laughs> conference. He was the first to take a poke. And then it was game on. I think Steve thought he was going to get out of that with his beautiful anecdote about the presidency and how it's changed and the little boy stuff. Uh, I don't know if he was prepared for all those questions. Now, I think there's a bit of a straw man where a lot of people are arguing as though we're all demanding, demanding. A little reminiscent of the KD free agency where people were arguing as though we were constantly asking uh, Durant where he was going to go and demanding he tell us. Um, I, I think most people, the, the the vast majority of media people are fine with these guys just saying no comment on the Hong Kong situation, for instance. I don't think that there is this intense expectation for them to take a position on, on Chinese I, politics. I don't know if that's true anymore. I honestly don't know. I, I think because yeah, of think the it's... outspoken nature of our local domestic mm. issues, I think people do expect him to say that stuff. That, I could be, I think I could people be want something on Maury. I think the thing that gets at people, I think the thing that gets at people is the idea that you won't just stand by your fellow American as the Chinese government is demanding that you get fired. Okay, Ethan, can I just ask everybody on this call? Yeah. Does everybody on this call think that 
the people who actually had to go to China behind these comments by Maury don't have a right to feel a way about it towards him, seeing as he didn't and wasn't expected to actually be in China and repudiate the Chinese government. Like, like, do those people not have a right to be upset? I don't want to no, like, defend LeBron yeah, here. I mean, they, because I think it's stupid. Wise, think, they are think, upset. Yeah, I just think I was 100% prepared to be sympathetic to that perspective because that perspective had been shared, you know, behind the scenes already. Uh, again, man, it's just, it's the left turn, the hard left that he took to then, with his voice, with his influence, with the place he, he you know, plays within the league, to set sights on Daryl and, and really it, spark this whole thing up again. The story and, and was to starting say that to die he wasn't down. educated on it is Chinese propaganda. I'm sorry, that's what it is. Um, and it's also he's, what Morgan kind of said. It, it's also he's what kind of said in his own tweet, though. Yeah, but didn't he, he kind of said that, that in his own words. Yeah, it's not the apology listen, tweet. That was I'm sorry, Maury. I mean, Maury came back. What what Maury came back and said was basically, I said something from one perspective. I basically didn't have the whole perspective. Which, again, if you had to go to China behind those comments, it's like, so what the fuck were you doing in the first place? If you if you didn't have the whole perspective and you didn't consider that the league in mass, a lot of representatives would have to be there. Again, Maury didn't have to go to China. Okay, but you're, a lot you're of changing, people the, but you're changing the conversation. What I'm saying is it's one thing. It's one thing to be upset about no, it and say, hey, Maury, Maury, Maury shouldn't have put us in this spot. It's another thing to say he wasn't educated on the matter. Well, you're not at all, at all even going to explain why or how. I mean, well, that's dude, a different uh, well, situation. I guess, well, I guess okay, hang, on. Well, hang on. Can, are we just going to ignore the fact that the tweet came out before they went to China and that they Wait. still went and well, that they could have left? And that they stayed and they played the game. I mean, I if they were if they were scared, and I I believe, you know, I have no reason to not believe them when they, they say it. They were scared. They were they were uncomfortable. It was. Okay. Not, I mean, listen, it was weird talking to people. You know, I talked to a lot of the principals when they were in China, and it was it was kind of surreal because they talked a little quieter. One person from the league, I remember, literally said, "Like, that's a fair question, Sam. I'd I'd be more comfortable answering it, you know, when my phone wasn't in China." Um, you know, like that, that vibe was real. They, they it wasn't comfortable. I, I, I had this conversation offline with Orem again, for the listeners who covers the Lakers at our place. And I think it's fair to share that, you know, Bill had made the valid point that, okay, if fear was the driving force behind going after Daryl last night for LeBron, he had ample opportunity to chronicle that fear. He didn't, his focus was on the combination of financial you know, and, and, and kind of emotional distress here. And, but nobody went down the fear road. Nobody told anecdotes about, you know, getting followed in the streets. Uh, I mean, I, that element is there. I just don't well, know that well, it's... Well, Sam, if you're if you're looking to go back to China at some point, <laughs> you want to so throw that stuff out there? Say, well, and, like, and, to, and to Dave's question, too, like, look, they went there. I don't know that they expected it to keep going like this. Right. Right? But once they're there, if, if you, like, say, nah, for, fuck this, we're going to get out of here... Do you uh, look I, like this could be dramatic, but I'm just asking as devil's advocate. Do you 100 percent expect to be able to leave that government? Like if you say, no, we're not doing this. We're out of here. Like I don't like it's probably a two percent chance think, if that. But I do think I do think that to expect that they should have defended Maury at any point. here. They don't have to. Oh, defend I'm, him. I'm, I'm not saying that they, no they don't yeah. have to attack him. That's yes, what they don't the, have that's to do. That's the distinction. Well, See, 100%. I disagree. I disagree. 
If, okay, if well, I, they can answer every question about it then. If they, specifically if they, if, the people who us, went to China, if they, Ethan. If, that's if what I'm talking about, not Steve Kerr. Not if Steve they Kerr. Want to attack him, if they want to attack him, they can open up themselves to all kinds of questions about why and how and what's wrong and what was wrong about what he said and everything else. But they're not doing that because they fear the censorship in China. So they're not. You know, that's that's the thing. You've got to own all of it if you're going to take that shot. And they don't Darryl want to. Mori is an executive in the league. He should know better. We're supposed to hold these people to higher standards. Is that right or wrong? If you're a player and that's all the league fucking tells you about your stature and your standards and you're held to this what? and you're held to that. That's what they, that, like that seems so obvious to me. Again, for the people who had to go there. I'm not so talking about pop. I'm not talking about Kerr. If Tiananmen Square happens tomorrow, is is Daryl Morey allowed to tweet about it? Like, of course he the, is. Where's the threshold? Of I mean, course, because it's on the other is. side of the globe. You well, know, I mean, that's that's where I, that's where I'm trying to get inside yeah. the minds of the players. Oh yeah, because, because it's it's like, listen, they've done such a great job of making an impact stateside on important issues and getting people to respect their voice. It's just a little gross that now that 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 just kind of the turn and tone is essentially that like no it doesn't matter if stuff that, that is not right is happening on the other side of the world and i know it's complex i'm not taking sides here but but that's where it's just the whole like nothing to see here approach is not working I, and i was i see what you're saying to a certain extent because if we're making a guess on it i bet maury did it in this glib way right i bet maury wasn't he, he thinking think that this it. would all that, that, that this would unleash what unleash at all. Oh, you, yeah. you thought that he no. thought that this would become an international incident? He, no, he did not think that, you know, I'm surmising here, but yeah. uh, this shit, you know, this stuff's sensitive. But like, it, it was, I would I put it on, on the same level of when Steve would hit on gun reform and it would certainly be a story. Uh, right. It would maybe make an impact, you know, one way or the other and it would move on. The, the, the X factor here that hasn't really been focused on that much, I don't think, in the coverage is that the Chinese government made a very conscious decision to to essentially hit every button it had on the board in yeah. the direction of Daryl Morey and do something that, that you know, that he probably didn't see coming. You know, you're talking I, about calling Tencent right away, talking to Li Ning, talking to Anta, talking to all these different revenue streams and saying, no, this ain't happening. That's the part, if I had to guess, that, that I think he probably and, didn't see coming. Well, this and, is and, their playbook. This is how they operate. Well, this is how they operate. It is it is a little bit new in how public this all is. I will say that there is a divide right now, as far as I can see it. And maybe Sam would agree, maybe he would disagree. But when I talk to people within the NBA, and that's not that's not just players, it's also it's everybody. It's you know executives, coaches, what have you. Um, they are very anti Mori right now. Very sure. anti Mori. They their main focus is on Mori fucking things up for them. That's the main thing they complain about. Frankly, it's sometimes a little hard to listen to, even from people I, I, I know and I like, because I think that they are so detached from reality on this and in a bubble that they cannot see possibly how this looks from the outside and how bad I also think he's like, outside. in that respect, like he's kind of an inconvenient spokesman, and, and which I get. Yeah. I mean, the guy had a ton of critics before, a lot of that with good reason. Um, so I get it. I mean, what's funny as a quick aside, and I need to hunt this down on the social media side, um, Damian Lillard back in late June, um, was going on a tour with Adidas and announced in some form or fashion on social media that he was doing a three country tour. 
and he and then he had uh, China on there. He had Hong Kong and he had Australia. And it's funny because this didn't really it never bubbled up to a bigger level media wise, but it was a thing for a hot second. And then once he got this similar type of backlash, you know, he put a he got a lid on it by I don't remember the specifics of the way he responded, but it never grew. And so, you know, that <clears throat> that thing got kind of squashed, um, you know, whether it was Damien or somebody else, if it was someone else who was the, the you know, the unexpected spokesman here. It would have played better within the NBA. I mean, there's Daryl's approval rating already league wide was pretty low. Yeah, they, they. I just think they don't get it. I think they don't know. I think a lot of people in sports to get to get successful in sports, you have to be focused. Sports, sports, sports. You're not necessarily thinking about everything else. And I think the league uh, tethered itself to China, was not paying attention as China got remarkably less popular within the United States. I mean, we're talking like a crazy nosedive over the last couple of years. I think there was always unease about China within the US, but it went drip, 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 damn burst, where you're going from 2017 and Pew polling that mm, maybe 44% have an have a favorable opinion of China. Right. And then it goes down to 24% in the last poll a couple months ago. And I believe that's just going to keep dropping. And the NBA is in a situation where it might have effectively joined itself at the hip to something that will be perceived like the Soviet Union was by the United States in the 1970s, 1980s. Okay, That's the situation the NBA is in, and they're focused on Daryl Morey, and I'm just looking at them, and I'm wondering, you guys are meddling with some things currently that could do some serious damage to you that is not going to go away, and you're so focused on China, and you're so focused on how Morey got you here that you don't understand the state of play. You don't understand I, how big this is. I hear all of that, Ethan, but I just, like, the reason why this subject kind of gets on my nerves a lot, um, I just think there's a general lack of humility with all the Americans involved, and that's including the, the quote-unquote fans that we're supposed to be coddling and protecting here because they don't like China because they supposedly love democracy over here. No, but the, not but really. It matters, though. I mean, there's yes, a different there, there, there's a difference in degree like that becomes a difference in kind. This but is not even, like living in totalitarian China. When you want to grandstand and moralize, it matters. It matters. It's also, it, I mean, it, it's a it matters. It's a weird like in a vacuum. Was I, I? There's so much truth in what you're saying. It, it's I think it's a weird what about ism approach like yep. it's not what about it's about when we come and we try to dictate moralism to these other countries here's the thing i think also is getting lost right now and i talked to some of our, our athletic pals last night about this like this stuff is you know the, the world's shrinking this stuff is to a degree on our doorstep right now you're yeah. talking about every american company of any prominence and and so many others all over the globe having to wrestle with this whole money versus morals question and the and, ripple effect, it, it's, it's not going to be slow and it's not going to be a drip drip. It's going to be immediate. It's going to set a, a, a message and a tone about, you know, what we value, and what we don't. And that's yeah. right now. And that's on and, our and shores. Laws, maybe you're right that these people are full of shit. Maybe you're wrong and they actually have some some moral standing. But ultimately, to me, there is some self-interest and there should be some self-interest. I am self-interested in being able to say whatever I want to say about world events and not get fired and not be a pariah within my own country because I'm commenting on events outside of it. Well, I, I wanna, think that is a perfectly self-interested thing to protect. And I think a lot of people see that. You're saying you're not allowed to talk about China? 
I think that this is where this is effectively headed. If Daryl Morey Darryl gets Morey. fired, if Daryl Morey Morey's gets not fired because about his business partners, it's not that he's not allowed to talk about China. He's not allowed to talk about the NBA's business partners. That happens at every single company. All the pom-pom cheering for people like Popovich and Kerr and LeBron and Steph Curry, when quite frankly, Pop versus Trump, he can, even if he got fired by um, Peter Holt, who loves our president, um, he'd have 100 more job opportunities right at his feet the next day. Nothing was on the line. Kerr versus Trump, the same thing. Steph versus Under Armour, and his his president, the president of Under Armour, loving our, our president, he got the pom-poms out. He would have had a sneaker deal the next day if Under Armour cut ties with him. LeBron versus George Zimmerman. I mean, like, I'm sorry. We bear some blame here, too, when we lift these guys up for the most rudimentary stuff. And you can take note, LeBron didn't say anything about um, Tamir Rice, the kid that got shot with the BB gun. Because that was police. Okay, like we we did too much when it came to the pom pom waving with these guys when they never actually put anything on the line before, ever. And now we're asking them to do something that nobody else in this country is asked to do, I don't, which is that's put part. morals before making money for themselves. I just I yeah. find that funny, man. In America, I find that funny. Nobody's ever asked to make those sacrifices. And and I'm glad that Sam brought it up in his article when he's like. Look, man, I'm typing this from an Apple computer. Who's more cozy with Chi the Chinese government and their, you know, proximity to cheap-ass labor than, than Apple is? Nobody's asking this of Apple. Maybe, like Sam said, oh, they, we're at the doorstep of that now. Yeah, I mean, they've effectively they become right the United... Yeah, they've become United States manufacturing base. But I think also what's happening is that people are starting to wake up to what that means, that it's not like... Uh, back in the day when everything was made in Taiwan, that there are some more strings attached to all of this. And maybe, just maybe, people don't like the deal. People want out of the deal. I think that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. With the, with the Daryl Morey comment, or, not, or the LeBron's comment on Daryl Morey, and then kind of relating that to Steve Kerr and what he said the other night, uh, do you believe, I'm curious if you guys believe LeBron's clarification on what misinformed meant? Or do you think that was? PR? Uh, I mean, in the moment, I, I don't know. I mean, it's my thing. I mean, you my were problem there. Is, yeah. My problem is, it's just that the the word that gets stuck in my craws is is, uh, is miseducated right. or, or or uneducated. I forget which one he went with. Part of the reporting today <clears throat> was that players in the meeting with Adam were wondering if Daryl would be reprimanded or punished because if a player had said something to cost the league money. You thought, not you personally, maybe, but the players thought that they would be punished. Do you think that Daryl should have been reprimanded? I think that's another um, situation that, that should stay behind closed doors. I think when we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen. Um, when you're not thinking about others and only on you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe um, I don't want to get into a, a word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey. But I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand. And um, and he spoke and uh, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say and what we do.
it's the educated choice that I just don't see how I've never used educated in any form or fashion to indicate, um, you know, the, the way that people are going to react to something I did as opposed to, I mean, that, that's a clear shot at his lack of I also of don't know if it matters. Like we never heard Michael Jordan say Republicans buy sneakers too. That, that, that there's no, uh, there's no real attribution for that. There's no quote that, that we have there. It's just what crystallized and what will be remembered in the culture is what was said right there. And I don't think the clarification is going to change any of it. And maybe he did mean something else by it. I can't, I can't get into his head, but it's going to be remembered how it came off. That's that's what I'm assuming anyway. Well, okay, then then the other side of that, what Kerr says the other night, right? He says, I don't, I'm not going to be a soundbite on this. I choose not to be a soundbite. Oh, by the way, AR-15s, right? Like he, he <laughs> right. like, and and so I granted I wasn't really paying attention much to social media that night. Um, I thought Ethan did a did a great job of encapsulating this whole thing with with Kerr and in that moment, but. I don't know, like, if he was getting killed, like, on social media about this, and and I think that speaks to from Sam's the point. The political right, from okay, so that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. From what I could see, the political right was very much the AR-15 and how dare how dare Kerr rip America um, in this way, and he won't say anything about China. And it seemed on the lefty side, it was more how he responded to my question on on Maury and whether Maury should be fired and how he ignored that, and so. Um, it seemed like that, that played more like that's what Deadspin focused on right. was Maury's response to, to my question. And that I'm not going to be a soundbite. And then I think on, on the right side of things, it was more the, the AR 15. Um, and so you could see it, but nobody was really stepping in. That's the thing about it. It's nobody stepping in and saying, good job. You know, maybe it's more on the political right that people are mad. Um, and maybe more mad about certain things, but it's not like, it's not like on the political left. I mean, it's one of these unusual things where everybody's just saying thumbs down. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is is that does that speak to Sam's point about you know, Maury's got a you know Maury's got a lot less support in this league than than someone like Steve Kerr, or is that the message didn't really matter at that point? I think just Steve Kerr is looked at as as a guy that speaks up on all these issues. And Daryl, I mean, do you know any of Daryl's? politics I, I know more about his musical taste than i know about his politics i know he well, donated for, to romney in 2012 and okay. he also seemed to not like trump he just strikes me as a little bit of a libertarian never trumper well, if i had to yeah guess. but but for sure like no we like like steve kerr does steve kerr does speak up about this stuff except four seconds earlier he said i choose not to be a soundbite on this right <laughs> and then did his own like, version of and what about and then, and then which, did a what about is right which, exactly by the so, way if you got, I don't know if any of you guys have gotten hit by the Chinese bots yet, but the number one thing they bring up is how our police uh, shoot black people around this country mm -hmm. and how we have an AR-15 problem. So, All uh, right? So, so, are you saying Steve right. Kerr's a, a Chinese bot? Yelling and screaming, I am not a robot. 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 <laughs> well, I'm just saying this. It, I mean, maybe those talking points came from somewhere, but spinning it that way, he all he does is feed right back into the Chinese propaganda machine. That's my big problem with this whole thing, is that the more these guys talk and try to protect their jobs and their money, the more they feed right back into this giant propaganda machine 
that uh, allows China to continue to do the stuff that they do. I Does would, everybody on this call think they should quit China immediately? It's, I think Adam it's too easy for me to say without knowing everything that goes into it, but I don't think they're going to be able to maintain this relationship over the next 10 years. Mm. And it's probably that they, it's probably best. I mean, I'm talking just in terms of practicality, not morality. You know, morality is a different question, but just in terms of pragmatism, I don't think this is sustainable with the way the trend lines are going. Uh, We talked about this last week, but I I think just that, um, you know, personally wouldn't want the NBA to to come out, uh, come out of China because I think it can be a force for good. As far as you know, culturally and and opening uh, people in China up to new ideas and things that are not necessarily espoused by their government or even allowed by their government, the NBA isn't coming out of China because there's too much money to be made. Like at yeah. the end of the day, what what this all boils down to, which is why we're seeing LeBron do the gymnastics, why we're seeing you know all of the all of this handled so um, poorly, or however you want to determine it is. There is just way too much money to be made. And we kind of always look at NFL owners as the greedy ones, as, you know, the overlords that will squeeze every last cent out of a roll of cotton candy that gets sold in in a stadium for $50. But, I mean, at the end of the day, especially all of these guys, as they've started to pay more and more money for these franchises, they need to squeeze all of this money out. There's very few Glenn Taylors anymore who paid $88 million for the Timberwolves in 95 and can sell it for one point, whatever billion today, like that's not going to happen anymore. And so they have to maximize their, um, their equity in their, in their companies by scraping as much as they can from China. And, and that's why I just don't I, think that it's going to be this is, feasible for them. To and this is the out. growth market. I mean, this is what they're yeah. focused on. This is the big middle class that's uh, emerging and getting wealthier by the day. And they look at the United States and they go, well, we're pretty tapped out here and companies need to keep growing. They need to keep growing and growing and growing. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I don't think that the, I don't think the trend lines are in their favor. The most anti-politicians in the United States are going to be the ones that are successful and how the NBA is going to manage that relationship through all that. Maybe they will. I mean, the world is a very unpredictable place, but it's going to be tough. Ethan, what if, what if they're, what if they're keeping China as status quo and then touting and spotlighting the growth in India and all this stuff? And then, you know, eventually yeah, yeah. something something from India comes to light here. And, well, they, and we're I like, mean, oh, she, but but I, I, do think, I do think, right, of course. But I'm saying like that's not a well-known thing or sure. something anyone cares about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to speak generally in the United States. It's not a hot topic on yeah. on shows right now. Right. And so so until that stuff starts coming to a brighter spotlight here. You can kind of keep the China thing going in some way because there is at least one and a half billion dollars at stake here and grow in India and spotlight India. Like, hey, look at the growth in yes. India. Look at this. Look at this over here. All right. So have Meanwhile, you don't just gotten, India. Yeah. So, Sam, have, you've have you just India. gotten back from I mean, you, you're hitting the nail on the head, Zach. I had a quote from David Stern that I wrote a few days back. Uh, you know, everybody noticed that the quote from Stern that Jack McCallum, the SI legend, had shared from a 2006 piece that he did on David where David just flat out owned the fact that, you know, China's about money and that his wife even gave him a hard time about some of the ethical conflicts that came with that relationship. But then fast forward to now about a month ago, I talked to David about the India situation and the trip I was going on. And and in hindsight, I will sit here and say like, it's wild to think back on that conversation because 
in hindsight, David sounds like a guy who's kind of struggling going, yeah, India, I mean, not India, China, you know, not, it might not be toast for us, but it's not great. And he, the quote was, you know, that India was a great idea because you never know what sort of international trade wars, terrorist attacks or anything else that might happen, uh, might complicate relationships elsewhere. And I'm, and that's not verbatim, but it's pretty close to what he said. So the India thing to, to finish that off is that being on the ground out there, there was a lot of super positive elements of that trip, and it's neat what the league's trying to do, and it's similar to what they did in China 30 years ago. It's also about as heavy a lift as you could possibly imagine. The infrastructure's not there. The passion for the game is not there. And the, the level of the league's desperation to they, – they have it off the ground out there, but to now get it to the next stratosphere, like to me that desperation is very easily understandable when you look – at what's happening in China. Let me just say this. You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I think from an owner's perspective. Controversy brewing tonight after the Houston Rockets general manager tweeted about ongoing protest in Hong Kong. Yeah, this is new video of the pro-democracy demonstrators in a since-deleted tweet. Daryl Morey said, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Tweeted by Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey has caused an uproar in China. I've been to China probably over... 15 to 20 times. The tweet has been deleted, but that hasn't erased China. 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 Backlash. The Chinese consulate in Houston released this statement Sunday saying in part. I guess we learned not to do it again. Uh, I've been to China probably over 15 to 20 times. And the main reason I was always going to go away. I have a question for you guys. Number one, if Tillman Fertitta doesn't freak out so bad. Is this an issue? And they might have might have survived it. Right. Made it made it work. And he number two, if he wasn't leveraged so heavily to to buy the team in debt, would he have freaked out so bad? If it was like if, if <laughs> no man, because he can't he can't afford that revenue exactly loss. right. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. why That's aren't we saying. focused on this part of it as well? Can't afford a coach. Like how did oh this God. guy? What are we going to be eating in the Rockets media room next? Year? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like porridge. A frittata. Homemade. It's gonna be B Y O B. Wow, Jade. Yeah. So that was great. (laughs) Let me just say this. You know, I'm I'm just gonna tell you what I think from an owner's perspective. Okay. I don't know what lame Doug means because he's under contract. I think his agent did me a favor. Okay. Because if for some reason we had a horrible year and we thought we needed to make a coaching change, we just got to paying off one of the other coaches. I believe. And and uh, so if, I hope we win a championship. And Mike comes and puts a gun to my head. Okay. Now you got to go like a radio Ethan thing. This guy buys a team. Tilden Frittata. This guy buys a team. That's always a tricky thing. It puts you in these weird situations. And I know it's because the other owners said, "Well, look at look at the valuations." And then the next owner to come in is probably going to come in with some of that sweet China money. And now. Everyone's making more money. I mean, I yeah. just hope, I just would hope that this would, I know it's not, but I hope that it would encourage people to dig into all of the business dealings of all the people in the NBA and how ethical or not ethical those dealings might be. And that goes from owners to everybody. Cause I mean, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to hear all of this stuff. Like this, this outrage, if it's not tied to our fans, to the fans of the game, and you know, 
um, caring about what athletic subscribers care about or people who, you know, watch it on TV, you know, vis-a-vis the ratings and, and the gate receipts and all of that. Like, if it's not tied to that, like, it's hard for me, man. Like, these guys, all of these dudes have weird business entanglements and, you know, of questionable morality. All of them. Well, if not all of them, but sorry, but a lot of them. And I'm talking about the about, older class. It, it's about the morality, but it's not about the morality. I think yeah. everybody would be willing to look to look aside and to ignore it if China seemed like a great ally to the United States that the United States was getting along with. I think people would shrug it off. I think it's it's really more about how it's becoming or has become the chief rival to the United States, and people feel a certain way of seeing some of our most prominent citizens grovel before them. I mean, that right. inspires something in people that's not necessarily about yes. how they're treating the Uyghurs. I mean, South right? Park it's, did it's, the master class on this thing, um, which, you know, is just art imitating life in a pretty fantastic form. But I'm curious, was like, when, in my opinion, when we have a president who at different times has shown a pretty significant interest seemingly and and like if he could wave a magic wand and have a government that functioned far closer to the, the way that that things operate in china than the one we currently have here just the citizen aspect of me is extremely uncomfortable with the idea that some of our most prominent citizens like ethan said would in any way endorse or at least be complicit in that sort of ideology. I mean, I mean me what I would say, Sam, I, I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's hard for me. Like, it's I, I don't know. Like, the, this out of, it seems out of nowhere to me. And it just, it, it gets on my nerves when it's like, all right, we got to bring all this pressure to bear on the guys that are trying to sell sneakers in China. A lot of what's happening, and it's, it's bigger than the sport, and I don't think the people in the NBA can can manage it. It's just too big that, you know, people, people have changed their minds on this one. And the U S does this. They always have an existential threat. They always have a boogeyman. <laughs> it's what unites people, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, we're, 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 we're a country that has a lot of divisions. You know, this is sort of, uh, the boogeyman that unites and can the NBA really be, um, completely invested in that particular <laughs> boogeyman of the moment. I have my doubts on the South park thing. I know they're from Colorado. They didn't have to bring Paul Millsap into this. <laughs> How did I miss Millsap? What did they oh, say he's in there, Millsap? man. He's on the plane. Oh, he's he's on the plane putting it. stuff in overhead compartments. Well, that's a come up for Millsap. That that increases his status. He didn't he's ask to be LeBron in this. And he didn't ask to be in this. You kidding me? Man, I, I compromise my fatherly standards, and and uh, I look up, and I'm like, man, I got my 13-year-old, my 10-year-old watching South Park, which was never going to happen ever before. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I had to share it, though. We got to kick Sam off with a kick. Ethan, I got to run, too. See you. All right. Yep. Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Read their stuff on the F. Later, y'all. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, boy. I never missed a We're back to the Weird Al. It just worked. It does. Weird Al Jadovich. It does. I lost my voice. Sorry. Look what I'm planning. I'm planning. I'm planning to do all this while you're panicking. And you're looking at staring at mannequins. I'm going to panicking, trying to get up a planicking. Got the stamina, you're lacking the stamina. You're lacking the stamina while you're divorcing Harrison Ford, and I'm in a portion of flowing ports while I'm on torrent. You're using way too many napkins.
asleep, Rob? All right. Well, thanks for playing that game. Guys, I do have uh, our new producer, Sasha, on the line. Sasha, you there? I am. Hello. What's happening? Let me say one of the one of the stars of karaoke night this past week. <laughs> oh, really? Sasha. I missed that. Yeah. Impressive. I would rank it. was sleeping in the back room. Yeah, right. Oh, that was <laughs> yeah, I would. I rank it Sasha won me to Waza very distant. Third. No, 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 no. Mm. My New York, New York no, was the winner. No, on the mic all night. I did, I did New York, New yeah. York in both rooms. Yeah, Tom Habistro was not in attendance, and he's generally one of the, you know, best singers of the crew, so yeah. I had to pick up the slack. One of our newest team members at The Athletic is going to help run all this, uh, all the smart stuff on The Athletic, write all the smart stuff. John Hollinger formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies, formerly of ESPN, creator of that uh, that statistic player efficiency rating, which was only made um, to, to pump up LeBron in the media. As we all know, you can just look at any comment section on the internet. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, how You invented PER how early before LeBron entered, LeBron entered the league in 2003? And you invented PER so when? I, I think I beat him by seven years. So you knew when he was 11 that he was going to be this guy. <laughs> That's incredible, man. I had a, I had a premonition, had yes. A premonition. I was psych- psychic, clairvoyant, yeah. So yeah. We, we've, been, we've been talking a lot about this, uh, this NBA China thing. I'm curious, you're, you wrote about the the potential salary cap impact. How, how serious is this in terms of the next couple years? Well, I think one of the biggest issues that teams are facing is that they don't really know and that the math that, that, that they need in order to even make uh, assumptions or estimates about it is difficult to obtain uh, from the league. Uh, they don't openly share the information on how much money they're making from China in particular. Uh, so they they uh, and the international money in in terms of the salary cap and the BRI calculation that goes into that kind of goes in through a side door. They get to subtract expenses and some other things from it before it even enters, uh, and then it's cut in half and split thirty ways. So there there's a lot that goes into there, and then you're trying to estimate well how big an impact. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that teams are working on right now is, uh, from my understanding and talking to them is trying to estimate, okay, well, what would the worst case scenario be? If China just nukes this whole thing, you can't sell any merchandise, you can't do any TV there, uh, Tencent and China TV just decide they're not paying the NBA on the contracts they've already signed, uh, what, what would that impact be? And, uh, you know, as you've seen numbers thrown out there, but they're just, they're just very rough estimates. And Teams are really looking for the to the league for some guidance on this, especially the teams that are dealing with uh, contract extensions before this October 21st uh, deadline that's coming up, and they're not sure they're going to get it that quickly. Uh, there's a lot for the league to work on on their side just to grant a good estimate to these teams of of what the impacts might be. There's just a, there's just a lot that goes into generating an estimate of this sort. I guess that like, we know that they don't share stuff with like the players because that's why you get into, you know, CBA negotiations and like, well, all these teams lost $300 million this year, you know, you know, not factoring in certain local TV revenues and all this stuff. So is like, why doesn't the league share it with the teams though? Well, how do the, how do the teams not know what their revenue source is? 
<laughs> well, the, you're getting into a really interesting question. Uh, the, from my understanding and from uh, what, what happened, you know, in my experience in Memphis, uh, again, I wasn't invited to the owners' meetings, but the um, the the international money uh, they, they basically share uh, with the owners what the whole dollop is. Um, so it could be money from China, it could be money from the Philippines, it could be money from Bolivia. You know, it could it could be from anywhere. Uh, it's pretty, just, this probably, is this is the nest egg we have. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about where exactly. it's coming from. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, some of the owners on the subcommittees get access to more of the nitty gritty info. But I think in, in some of these cases, the league hasn't wanted to make it well known what they get on these particular contracts. I mean, the amount of the 10 cent contract is publicly available, but a lot of the other contracts are, are not. And so uh, and you never really hear the league exclaim over how much money they made on merchandise in China, for instance. Um, that's mm -hmm. that's not that's not a known figure. And so. Uh, that, that that's that's where it gets tough is because to account for just losing this one country, you do have to get into the nitty gritty of the count calculations and and just back out China from the whole international total, uh, and and so the math gets kind of hazy at that point. John, um, I have a question though. We've seen this number, this fifteen percent number bandied about as far as China's contribution to BRI. Does that seem on the low end or the high end to you? Seems on the high end. From people I people I talked to, uh, were were a little uh, dubious that it was quite that large. They th thought it was probably closer to the five to ten percent range. Five to five percent. I mean, we could tell well, China to go kiss off if that's the case. <laughs> what the hell? Five percent. Well, I mean, you got to remember from the league's perspective, the issue isn't just what they're getting now; it's what they can potentially get in the future. In the future. I mean, this is a number that has been growing substantially every year. And so uh, you look five, 10 years down the road, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe China's 20% by then, you know, maybe it's, you know, who, who knows what it could be 10, 20 years down the road where you're talking about that many people in, in one country that is developing economically, at least at a pretty good clip. I'm curious, I'm curious, John, if like this could be something that indirectly leads to not tying max contracts to a percentage of the cap like because because it, it seems like all right you don't really know what to do with a lot of these contract extensions right and a lot of those are uh at least for the max guys which there aren't that many but they're you know every once in a while you get an andrew wiggins in there that uh that you're not quite sure why the money's being thrown but that's all tied to a percentage of the cap right and so it feels like for a while the max contract was getting questioned a lot. Could like could not knowing what the cap's going to be in the future due to this stuff eventually lead to the end of that, or is that is that too pie in the sky? Uh, probably, I'd have a hard time seeing the players' association go for that particular thing. I mean, what what you could see maybe in a new CBA. Keep in mind, this one still has a little while to run. Is that you do you just set up the contract as a percentage of the cap contract, when it's when yeah. it's a max every single year going forward. So instead of being automatic X percent raises, the raise is just commensurate with the cap, or it's equal to the cap plus a couple other you know a couple more percentage points on top or something. Um, you could see something like that, uh, which would allow teams to better plan for. Uh, shocks to the to the cap but again this is a really unique situation that they haven't faced before because historically i mean the basically the entirety of their revenue was from north america and there was just this little 
trickle coming in internationally. And, and that's sort of shifted and probably will continue to shift as the league becomes more globalized. And it's, you know, places like the, you know, the Philippines, for instance, I think the NBA sees uh, some future there. India, certainly, you know, with all the people there, um, if those companies, if the companies, if those countries can develop uh, economically in in the coming years, the way the way China has, uh, there's a potential gold mine there too. Am, am I the only one who thinks this China as this you know uh, unlimited reserve of potential new money? Am I the only one who's skeptical of this? Because you know I have a buddy who used to work at Goldman Sachs, and this was back in like the early 2000s, and he told me he was like a lot of times. When any when a lot any company was associated with all right new growth in China, we would go and invest in them. Like China was this like white whale, and then eventually we was like, eh, it's not happening. This ep- economic you know outgrowth is not happening at the rate that we all originally anticipated that they would, and they, and they would stop backing a lot of these companies. I wonder if we'll ever get there with the NBA, where they'll be like, you know what, maybe there wasn't as much money in this as we originally thought. Well, I mean, they're they're getting money right now. I mean, yeah. it, we'll see how big that pie can become, um, or whether there are there are limits on it. But I mean, it's 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 definitely something that's making money for them right now. I mean, setting aside, you know, I mean, the the league is always, as you got you guys know, sent out these kind of pie in the sky press releases about anything yeah. involving international um, that have probably contained some numbers that are hard to believe, but. The um, the 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 reality in the moment. I mean, ten ten cents contract alone is. Uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty substantial that's deal. Another place for for huge amounts of growth potential. Uh, but in order to do that, we're going to have to partner with the Chinese, who also see Africa <laughs> yeah. as a huge, uh, you know, growth like investment opportunity to the degree that they are actually building infrastructure that the NBA is going to have to use. To, to you know have the academies going and to run their leagues and all this other stuff I wonder how they how much of that is going to factor into how how the NBA dances around this whole China issue uh you're you're, you're correct about those facts I just I just don't know if it's going to be a prominent enough consideration for them at all I mean if <laughs> it's just yeah, I mean it's just such a small thing right now and i you're right they are trying to build there and and the, the chinese have invested all kinds of money in african infrastructure uh in in order to kind of get on a lot of the government's good sides there but uh we're we, we're leading deep into international geopolitics here but, i know uh, yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you all right, so internally anybody ever speak up uh, about dealing with some of these these countries and these governments and um, that you have to deal with and has anybody ever said well maybe we're making enough money or is it typical I can, I can answer that for like, John not, no one's ever we said we're making grow. enough money I can promise <laughs> I, you I, I've not been in, in the owners meetings but I can I can I highly doubt that anyone said maybe we're making enough money too much revenue <laughs> I'd be highly skeptical of that. No, but it's interesting. The last time this kind of debate came up a little bit was when the league approved Michael Prokhorov as the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Um, and that's several years ago. And, uh, you know, it ended up not uh, not hurting the league. But there were a lot of questions, let's say, about where his money came from and what his uh, connections were uh, in, in Russia. And, uh, you know, the, the, the league ended up OK out of that. But. Uh, 
you know, it's interesting. They're never too far away from it, I guess. You're, you're always, anytime you get uh, into these international uh, businesses and you're not dealing with North America and Western Europe, yeah. you're, you're starting to deal with some unsavory characters. I mean, that's just back to life. Yeah, I want to well, thank one. Th thanks, Russia, for listening, too. My favorite thing about Prokhorov was them saying he made his money in metals and acid-washed jeans. That's what that was where his money came from. Heavy yeah. metal and acid wash jeans. Right, exactly. Yeah. Who just happened to have some rivals turn up? Rise. Well, let's transition to Have you ever seen a rookie as incendiary in preseason as Zion Williams? Uh Probably not. I mean, I saw him uh, here in Atlanta uh, last week, and he's just an overpowering force. I mean, had a had a poster dunk in the first two minutes of the game. Uh, can just he's so quick on the move that it's impossible for bigs to handle him. And when they play him at the at the five, you saw in the Utah game, like even Rudy Gobert was having trouble dealing with him. Uh, and he doesn't really have a shot yet. And defensively, he's still kind of just relying on his natural ability um and and yet he's still an awesome player right now like right out of the shoot uh so i think the pelicans have to be very excited and yes we know everyone it's just preseason none of it matters and that's fine yeah but he's doing the stuff that he just did at duke like well, I, that, I love that's he's that's my thing dave is like in high school it was like and great yeah. I, I in high school i was i was yeah. like i don't know man he's just dunking on a bunch of kids and then in college it's like i don't know he's just dunking on a bunch of college players and now it's gonna be yeah, yeah. he's dunking on a bunch of nba players like here yeah. we go and he came in, so, we, you know, we always talk about these rookies that, you know, he's got to grow into his body, uh, you know, he's got to develop. Well, he's coming in, like, I don't know, can anybody really guard him? Like, we don't have Shaq that can, <laughs> that can like, be physical with him. Uh, I don't know. He might be the most physical player in the league from day one. Like, there will, and, there will be adjustments to him. Obviously. Yeah, certainly. But, yeah, but, but, but he but gets so teams, much teams of gonna, Teams are going to scheme him and scout for you know, and scout for him. They're going to overplay his left hand. They're going to play way off him and dare him to shoot. I mean, all those things are going to happen. He's just so uh, overpowering athletically that none of it may matter. But he also gets so much of his stuff off of other people's, you know, actions. And, like, uh, he's hitting the glass. He's he's grabbing defensive rebounds and, hit, and you know, getting into transition. So I think he's going to be harder to scheme against because – a lot of his stuff is going to come out of scheme. And then, you know, he's got Alvin Gentry, which is, you know, a huge advantage. I just like the way that he kind of, even when he can't get all the way up and just throw down a dunk over someone, he still has even a craftiness about his game at the rim. So yeah. you can even see that when, like John was saying, when there's a Rudy Gobert who has eight foot long arms and you think, okay, he's just going to use his length to, to make it so hard on Zion, like he just has a way of getting around those and and finishing, you know, off the glass, just laying it in, get you know, finding ways to get a shot off in tight traffic areas that are going to allow him to continue to score and and to hurt people down low, even if it's not a tip dunk, a grab and go right back up and just hammer it home. So um, I just. It, it's really impressive to me, the finesse part of it with that power down low. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, he has a nice short-range touch, even though he's not yeah. a shooter, so to speak. Uh, able to use the window pretty well. 
Um, the only thing you wish you would see is him use his right hand to finish a little more. He tends to he tends to want to finish from uh, with his left, even on the right side of the rim, and and can bring the ball back into defenders sometimes. But so he's I'm got some Shabazz here. Muhammad in his game. <laughs> what you'd say. That's a that's a great that's a great comp for him. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it's what everyone's been saying. It's cliche for a reason. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, hey. Yeah. Uh, turns out he's prospect. also he's also th- 35 years old. Former number one prospect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Um, I think I I I wonder from like a an analytics standpoint when you have someone like Zion and and got and teams are just going to play off him. Not to compare him to Giannis, but I've always thought it's a mistake to play off Giannis because he can get a full head of steam. I thought it's a mistake to play off Rondo because he gets full vision of the floor. Like with with Zion, I do wonder if you give him all that space, will that work against you? Because he's just going to now have a, a you know a, an airstrip to yeah, go and take you, off. Yeah, that's that's the dilemma with all those guys you mentioned. Um, and that there's there's no I mean that's why they're good. There's no easy solutions for them. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean. You, you at least know that if a screen comes, you can go under, uh, right. you know, you can play a couple feet off. Uh, you know, you don't have to stand all the way back inside the charge circle, but you can, you can, you can play him in a way that maybe you wouldn't play other players. I, one thing I've noticed that, that the Pelicans are doing, uh, they're getting a lot of actions with him going downhill, even in half court yep. DHOs, um, you know, just getting him moving without the ball first. I think that's really smart. Again, I think Alvin Gentry is kind of the perfect guy, and now he's been unshackled because he doesn't have Anthony Davis that he has to, you know, make sure he gets his stats. And that yeah, seems that that, that, seems, that that bum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank God <laughs> they got rid of that guy. Well, I just mean creatively, <laughs> creatively, because Alvin Gentry is a very creative coach. But you know, when you have one guy that you have to go th- go through, and it's not a Steve Nash. Who was going to get would, everyone involved? I would first look at it more of they don't have Solomon Hill anymore. They don't have to rely on Etwan Moore for spacing. There's no <laughs> Tim Frazier out there. Like Omar, Omar Sheik is no longer out there. Like I think it's more of that than like oh thank God Anthony Davis isn't here. Well, I mean, but the spacing is still going to be an issue with that team though. Like you're you're going to see especially once we get into the into the re- regular season and teams throw more stuff at them. Um, you know, you're you're starting favors. Um, you. You uh, you brought in JJ Redick, who's a knockdown guy, but you really don't have a lot of other uh, shooting on that up and down that roster. And if you can slow the game down enough and make them play in the half court, um, I, that that looms as an issue for the Pelicans. Well, so how do you? I guess you know they're they're everyone's darling league pass team, right? But the problem with a lot of these like early like preseason league pass picks. Is it and granted, I've I've felt this a lot as someone and John can speak to this as someone who's followed the Wolves for a long time. It was a lot of like, oh man, the Wolves, it's my league pass team this year, and then January hits and no one gives a shit about them anymore, right? Like it's like, oh wait, this team's yeah. bad. Now I don't think New Orleans is going to be that fate, no. uh, that similar fate. I think they'll be interesting all year. But how do how do they like buck that trend of of being figured out halfway through? They're gonna, I mean, they're gonna win games, right? I mean, I think that they're gonna be competitive even. The problem with the Wolves was with all that hype, it, it the results never even came close to matching what you know what the hype was in terms of dunks after dark and hey let's let's let, you know. But, exactly but John, they beat that. the Warriors a couple of times in the <laughs> regular that season. Dub, though. Yeah, got, got that, that dub. dub. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, by that time, you know, they had twenty six wins and and it was win number twenty seven. And so, I mean, that's the way I think the Pelicans are gonna 
fuck that is, I mean, they're going to be fun to watch, but they, you know, what they're not going to win 50 games, but if they're, you know, if they're somewhere in the mid to high forties, if they can get there and, that and contend like a lot for, of wins, like, I think it's a I good know. team. That just sounds like a lot of wins. Mid to me. high forties. No, the issue, there's so much youth there. The I issue they faced that the wolves also faced was that they play in the wrong conference. So yeah, right. you have a couple bad weeks and all of a sudden you're seven games out of the playoffs. And, and then it's, and then people are looking at you differently and, uh, you know, there might be some strategic resting that happens at that point when, you know, they fall out of the race. And that that, you know, that that's the typical thing when sort of sort of the league past dreamboats go south on us is is when they fall out of the race, things change. So if they but I, I think they're good enough to stay in the race all year. I mean, I, I really think that like seven to ten between yeah. New Orleans, Portland, Dallas San Antonio is just going to be super competitive all year. Well, one more, one more on a team like that. What about Atlanta? Because Atlanta, everyone loves them, right? Like it's so much fun. It's a great young core, but young teams don't usually win. Well, and they're super young. Yeah, I mean they could they could have four starters who are half Vince Carter's age. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean they're crazy young. And you watch well, maybe Vince Carter's like, just super old. They cannot. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no, they they cannot defend at all. So I I think that's um, people are jumping the gun on Atlanta. They actually lost a couple of veterans who helped them last year, uh, and they've gone even younger. So uh, you know Trey Young and John Collins, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of like one thirty to one twenty, but I think they're gonna lose most of them. Yeah, they play in the East though. It's true. Well, they, of- they, do, they do got that going for them. So like. <laughs> Maybe, and, maybe and just un- five gets you like the seven seed. Is that? I think yeah, so. Right. I think I think thirty-eight yeah. wins gets you home court advantage in the first round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, I mean, they, and they play just what a shitty division that is. Yeah. I mean, that's other than Miami, like they they could they could wait. I can swear play. on this. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh my goodness. Oh man! It's a brave new world out here. Absolutely, you can say whatever you want. Life, what is life like after being in a front office? Do you still feel like a little concern in how you say things? I think there's a there's a level of self editing that I've had to wean myself off of. Uh, de- definitely. Why so, didn't you let it fly in your copy though? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, you know, I had a, I. I, I had a little bit of time to practice. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we ever get Ricky Davis on the Me- Memphis Grizzlies? Like, well, I, I asked you to do that a lot. Yeah, Why did that get did through? I mean, we we only had so much money, Zach, and you know, That's you don't want to you don't want to make an insulting offer, and you know, then True. then you've upset his people, and then you know, you can <laughs> never get back to it later. So, you know, when you only have the full mid level exception to offer somebody like that, you you know. Right. You, you you probably don't even don't even want to go there. Were you uh, worried about being too good? <laughs> yes, <that> was, <laughs> you worried about winning too many games. Competitive balance was a concern. We had a couple calls with the league office about that too. Yeah. Making too much money, being too good. selling too many tickets. <laughs> and having, yeah, well, we didn't have tickets. enough media seating either. That's true. Yeah, you got to start kicking people back to the. You're one of the few you know arenas that allow media to to be near the court, so you can't risk that. Um. All right, last question for you from me. Mm-hmm. Um. We, we love it. We love a prediction. You're doing you're doing division previews right now. Yes. Um, when the league is so wide open. Uh huh. Prediction on how many actual contenders we have this year. 
How many actual contenders? Yeah, because I, I've seen I've like I kind of went through it myself, and I was like, ah, it feels like five or six. And I've some seen some people say like eight, nine, ten. So like, how many teams do you think can legitimately win the title this year? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nine. Wow! Ooh, I think wow. I think they're wow. wow. I like that. A couple of them are a little bit like they need a lot of things to go their way, but it's but they, it, they, it could it could happen. I did, yes. <laughs> is this one is this one through nine puncher's chance with with like making a move here and there? Like, do you feel like there are going to be nine buyers at the deadline? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, um, you know, and obviously, you know, some injuries and whatnot will factor into that. But yeah, I could I could easily see nine teams. At the trade deadline, thinking, okay, we have a real shot at this. Or if we get if we get one player, and I'm not talking about like one LeBron James player, like if right, we get right. like one more good player, we can really do this. Well, this explains Memphis hanging on to Iguodala. I think um, there are so many teams that are going to be out there looking for a guy like that. That he's going to have value at the deadline. Well, you, I mean, they. They clearly hope so. I mean, there's no real harm in then keeping him. They should be able to extract something. I mean, be beyond just a just a buyout. So it's if you're not really trying to win this year anyway, which I mean, they're you know they'll say they're they're trying to win, obviously, but you know what I mean. They're not like all in going for the title this year. Then th then there's no. They, it doesn't really hurt you beyond the roster spot it, to to keep him and and try to do something with that with that contract and and get more assets out of it also they already suckered the warriors into giving them something for a, an actual good nba player so it's all upside at this point they've already won basically by getting the first obviously but right. you know can you can you get more out of it than just because the buyout doesn't really help they're far enough from the tax line that the buyout doesn't really help them you know it's like nice they save some money you know you don't want to dismiss that i guess but they I think the feeling is they could get more out of it than just saving a few pennies. Golden State Warriors aren't in that nine, are they? Because to me, they're a lot closer to missing the playoffs than they are winning the well, championship. I think, I think they're definitely in that nine. Yeah. Because yeah. if you look, if they're in the playoffs and Clay Thompson is back and they get one or two buyout guys who, to to me, I mean, buyout guys got to be flocking there given the gaping hole at small forward. Um, then all of a sudden, you're you're talking about something that like no i don't think anyone's going to want to play that team in the playoffs if you're if you're talking about curry draymond clay uh you know even with even with russell around them and and looney or whatever one or two buyout guys off the bench like that's a good team like you don't want to play them how realistic is it to think clay can come back what can he come back as i think is a right. better question what you know does yeah, he i mean i guess that's more more what i mean not that he can get back on the court but that it's going to matter yeah, does he does he hit the ground running, or is he like, you know, he's joining? He'd be joining probably in March when everyone else is at half a season to to uh, pick up steam, and he's he's just jumping into it. What kind of what kind of player is he going to be at that point? How effective can he be? Uh, that those are all great questions, and you know, I think I think that puts more uncertainty into whatever you might think for the Warriors. Yeah, I just think it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to sustain any significant injury to either Steph or Draymond. They, they are thin, man. Like, I, and I'm somebody who, you know, I've said this a lot. I, I just don't think Russell's that good. I don't, 
I don't think the the juice was worth the squeeze as far as acquiring that dude. I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be a difference maker for them. Um, and if Steph or Draymond goes down for any amount of time, Draymond, because he's their entire defense, that's not an exaggeration. He's pretty much, him and Looney are the only people who you would call plus defenders on that team. They got no perimeter defending. Um, if he goes down with any significant injury or if he just, you know, rests on his laurels after getting $100 million, which, you know, who could blame him? Um, this team's been in there. trouble to me. <laughs> yeah, we've all been I don't know, but, like, you know, in when we're talking about a league where theoretically there's nine teams that could win, you know, win a championship, that means that there is something a little bit closer to parity than there ever has been before. So these, all of these teams are not yeah, incredibly deep. So if you lose, it, you know, take Kawhi or Paul George off the Clippers, take LeBron or AD off the Lakers, take Towns or Covington off the Wolves. They're not in the the, the championship conversation anymore. Any longer? Wow, right? I guess John <laughs> hasn't paid. I, I guess you know? John hasn't yeah paid attention to Jarrett Culver this this preseason. <laughs> no, but but. Right. But I digress. But you know that's but that's just the whole thing is like that's why I'm I'm bullish on the on the Warriors this year just because if those if the pieces do hold and then yeah Clay does come back and just knocks down open shots um, and gives them a little bit more of a presence on the perimeter defense they're not facing a bunch of super teams that they have to climb over it's a bunch of you know, two man groups that, that they have to do with. And so I, I think that they totally belong in the conversation. Or as, uh, as Dave DeFore, I believe mentioned last night, uh, the funniest outcome is the Rockets. Rockets winning it all, which we can all, uh, book that, uh, that trip to Houston for the parade. Uh, somebody said that they should start and end the parade in Chinatown. Oh boy. All right. Well, for Sam Amick, for Ethan Strauss, for John Hollinger, John Krasinski, Dave DeFore, Big Waz, I'm Zach Harper. Thanks for subscribing to The Athletic. Tell your friends. Welcome to No Dunks. Uh, Check out that podcast. Check out the lead. Check out all that good stuff. And the Daily Ding coming back next week. China, 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 China,
China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China, China,